American corn farmers, a proud and chosen profession inspired through generations. Tested, resilient, and committed to giving back as much as they're growing, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with every bushel, while replenishing every increasingly precious resource, like the reduction of soil loss by 40% with every acre grown. In a world where sustainability matters more than ever, we need all the help we can get. And there's no greater resource than the capable hands of American corn farmers.
rather be. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Off Limits Show, the Gay Mass Show. Thanks for listening to Gay Mass tonight on Off Limits. I appreciate it. Uh, it is Sunday, actually Monday now, Easter weekend, and I am back from my Easter holiday. I hope you had a good Easter holiday. I went to um, with out of town with my husband to visit his family. And uh, as we always do on Easter, and uh, I had like good, I had a good time to stay a couple of days, but we had a good time with his family, and um, you know ate too much and all that good stuff. So um, it was fun. I hope yours was fun too, and I hope that you had someone to spend your Easter holiday with, as I did. I am getting over another allergy thing. I have had so my allergies seem to get worse as I get older. I don't know why. <laughs> Excuse me, but um, I'm not sick. I just have allergies, and it's driving me crazy. And so, like Thursday, I sounded like Barry White. You know, I was like, "Hello," <laughs> when I was talking. Um, I still sound a little different now, but um, I've been taking um, like nose spray, nasal spray, and like uh, Allegra and that kind of stuff, and it's helped. But I still am not 100. percent I still a little congested. So, if I sound a little weird, that's why. Anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, so first of all, by the way, if this is the first time you've heard the show, this is uh, the Gay Mass Show, part of the Off Limits Show Network, I guess you call it, whatever. Um, and I'm doing this uh, show to bring you the latest in gay news culture, uh, gay topics, etc., as always on Gay Mass. And <clears throat> um, if you don't know anything about me, you want to know more about me or the show, you can go to offlimitsshow.com find out more about me, listen to the shows from this year. You can go to Spreaker.com, listen to all of my shows. They're listed there. Um, and you can also listen to Off Limits Show, uh, Gay Mass Show, and Brain Purge Show, the three main shows I do, on iTunes if you search for each respective show by name. Uh, you can subscribe to the shows there and listen to them on your iPod or your iPhone or your iPad or your Mac. So, um please follow me and listen to the show. I appreciate it. So, uh, well, first of all, some interesting thing happened to me. I had forgotten about this because, um, about, uh, I guess three weeks ago or so, Andy Cohen had said on Facebook, uh, to post or Twitter to post your questions for the women of the real housewives of Atlanta for, uh, the reunion show to, if you wanted to ask a question, maybe your question would get asked on the show on the air and on the way back from uh, driving back from um, out of town, coming from back to Dallas tonight, um, I kept getting all these Facebook pages, my, my personal Facebook page saying, oh my God, your question was just asked on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh my God, oh my God. And I completely forgotten what question I'd asked because I'd asked, I had actually started to ask one question and I deleted it and I asked another one instead in its place. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, so I had forgotten what the question was until I saw it and I remembered, but, um, I, uh, so they asked the question, the question was, um, he, you know, he says my name and everything on the show. So you can see there, you can go to the show and watch it if you want to know my name. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, on the show and he says my name, he says from Dallas, Texas. And he says, wants to know, says Kenya, um, uh, what did I say? Uh, oh, I said, is, are we ever going to get to get to see your, African prince, or is he non-existent, much like your acting career? <laughs> it was a very snarky, bitchy question, appropriate for me, especially towards Kenya. I can't stand her. I think she's so fake and just horrendous as a human being. And uh, she was none too happy about that question. <clears throat> and it kind of sparked a bit of um, some, it kind of sparked a lot of 
animosity between she and Portia and some of the people on the panel, but it really kind of started things off. So I was kind of, I felt good about that, I guess, because it really got to her. Um, but anyway, so that was fun to see my name on there and to hear my name come out of Andy Cohen's mouth in my door. So that was really cool. Uh, anyway, um, but I was thinking about that also, and I was thinking about, um, you know, Oh, and she said, oh, well, let's see if he, if he asked me that question in person, if he read me like that in person or something like that. And yes, bitch, I would read you like that in person because you're kind of, I don't, what do you think I'm afraid of you? Some little twirl, twirly little fake ass bitch, please. Anyway, <laughs> so, I mean, I would say exactly the same thing to her in person as I asked her there. I would ask the same question the same way um, because I'm exactly the same on air as I am off air. Um, but anyway, uh, so I was thinking about the gay read, as I call it. And if you know, people who read other people, you know, it happens all the time in life. And, you know, reading is putting someone in their place or telling someone at like it is or the truth or whatever about themselves that may not be so pretty typically, um, or turning uh, around on someone else, you know, what they're saying about you or whatever. Um, but generally that's what a read is. And so, um, if you don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, <laughs> um, but you know, it's a lot, it's, started in the gay community, I think, and maybe the black community as well. It may have started in the gay community. I don't know where it started, if you want to call it reading, where being called reading was started. But it has been around for a long time. And so I think it comes much more natural to gay men because of this reason. I was thinking about it and why it is it comes more natural to us to read people that we don't like or people we find to be fake or pretentious or whatever. I think it's because we grew up being different and we grew up having to um, fight with our wit and our minds more so than our fists, generally speaking, and sometimes with our fists, but generally with our minds and our wit and our humor or whatever. And so because of that, that's why it's easy for us to turn someone's, uh, idiocy on themselves. And, you know, I found it funny because it's really easy for me to piss straight people off. Um, and any gay person pretty much can do it because straight people generally are not as good at it and generally are a lot less secure than gay people. Most gay people, because we've had to go through so much bullshit and had to endure, um, so much like, um, <clears throat> so much like, um, you know, hatred, animosity, homophobia, whatever, throughout our lifetime, whether it was um, internalized or whether it was, you know, something some we experienced outwardly or something that we, when people knew we were gay or we didn't, they didn't know we were gay. However, we experienced it. Um, we experienced it. And until we came out, we weren't able to claim ourselves as being, you know, who we were. And so because of that practice, if you want to put it that way, um, it's given us the strength that I think a lot of a certain kind of reserve of strength that a lot, not all, but a lot of straight people don't have a lot of straight people, especially if you're white, Anglo-Saxon, heterosexual, Protestant male do not have a lot that they have experienced in that realm. They don't test typically experience bigotry at all. I mean, it's really rare. I mean, of course there's reverse bigotry, but it's, if you want to call it that bigotry is bigotry, but you know what I mean from a minority toward a Caucasian or white person or whatever, um, is it exists, but it is very, very rare. And it, cause typically, um, this uh, social structure of the country and, and the world has been, uh, predominantly white male dominated. And because of this, it has, um, you know, not affected them the way it's affected the rest of the world, women included, uh, women, gays, lesbians, transgendered individuals, um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, people of different races, uh, people of different cultures or backgrounds or religions other than Christian. So um, all of these people generally have a far deeper reserve of strength, I think, um, than a lot of heterosexuals do. And it applies to heterosexual women as well, especially heterosexual white women as well. They also generally, although I'm sure they have experienced some levels of, um, generally some levels of um, bigotry, it hasn't been to the extent that a gay person has experienced or a black person or an Hispanic person or whatever, or a Jew, whatever. Um, so it, you know, obviously there are exceptions all the time, you know, somebody, maybe some grew someone grew up in a, in a, someone was a white girl who grew up in a black community or a white boy grew up in a black community or an Hispanic community and was the only one or something. Of course, those, um, those instances exist, but generally, it's not the case. So my point is, is that we as gay people generally have this reserve of strength that we call upon and it allows us to be really good at reading people. <laughs> generally reading people, um, is both a defense mechanism as well, I think as, um, a way to take back power from someone. Now, obviously when I'm doing it towards Kenya Moore, whom I do not know, just know her from her, the show and how she's portrayed on the show and how she has portrayed herself in real life and et cetera. Um, I don't, I dislike the person a lot. And so, and this is a woman who's incredibly fake and, and pretends to be something she's not. And she actually continues to pretend that she has this African prince boyfriend and no one, else, no one else in the show has ever met him. And, including Andy Cohen and no one and other women have met him. And so it's just ridiculous that she continues to perpetuate this ridiculous lie. Um, and if it is true, great, then, then let us see him. But uh, she, it's not true. And she done the same thing with Walter the year before or the, a couple seasons previous about how he was her boyfriend and everything else, but really he wasn't. And she apparently had, had paid him to be on the show to pretend to be her boyfriend and so anyway, on and on and on, you can watch it and see what happens and what they talk about. And that's, that's some of it. But, uh, so, so anyway, reading somebody, you know, for me has always been easy. Like I have had many instances where I'm not afraid to tell people what I think about them in, in person in real life. And, you know, a lot of people have um, fantasies about telling people off or telling people what they think about them. Um, and they don't do it because of the situation at hand, you know, maybe it's their job or their boss, or they're in a situation where they can't tell this person because they need them for something or whatever. Um, even when I've needed someone and knew the consequences, I did it anyway, cause it felt good. And I don't like to hold back and just hold things in. I need to let things go and to let people know where I stand because I think honesty is the best policy in any situation, even when it can hurt someone else, even if it can hurt you. Um, so I'm very straightforward and I've always been that way. And that's intimidating to some people. Um, and a lot of times it's not meant as a negative thing. You know, I'm not necessarily reading someone. I'm telling them the truth. I'm just telling them exactly what I think, whether they asked for it or they didn't or whatever. And so some people don't like that, that kind of honesty. They, pre they prefer pretension and they prefer, um, having this, uh, level of, you know, um, distance between you and the other person emotionally or, you know what I mean? So, um, so I, anyway, I think reading people is a way to put them in their place. And I've done that with bosses in the past when I've quit jobs, when I was, you know, up until I was 25 before I started working for myself. Um, and I, 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 one job I quit and I told the woman she was a complete cunt and a bitch and I was screaming at her and yelling at her telling her she was a fucking lying bitch and fake and all this other stuff and nobody likes you. And I mean, it's kept going on and on about it. And, um, everybody hated her. Her name was Anne. 
everybody hated her in the whole department and the whole company, everybody, even her boss didn't like her really. And so, um, so I was the only one who'd ever stood up to her and told them. And so after I left, everybody's like, Oh my God, you're my hero, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I had lunch with some of them afterwards. I'm like, Oh my God, it was so great. You know, it was epic. So th that kind of thing, you know, I've done more than once in my life, whether it was with, with uh, bosses when I was working for other people, for um, instructors at schools and colleges I went to um, and on and on. And I think that that's a great thing. So to, to read someone if it's merited, I think is a good thing because it means that you are being heard. You're saying, look, bitch, <laughs> this is the D. This is the way it is. And you can have your opinion, but I'm not going to listen. So anyway, I just think it's, it's a great thing and a great skill to have as a gay person. And I think most of us have it almost innately for the reasons I mentioned already on the show. And some people's personalities don't really lend themselves to being that way or being like me or being as audacious as I am about um, approaching that kind of thing. But most people, um, most gay people I know, most gay men specifically are. Now, gay women are also very strong too. You know, I, lesbians are very strong generally as well and pretty, um, not all of them, just like not with all gay men, but I think they're always pretty... Um, straightforward for the same reasons we gay men are. So I think it's just a gay thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great skill. I think it's great that we are able to um, be who we are and uh, say fuck you to people. If you don't like it, you know, fuck you. So anyway, um, the next thing I want to talk about was um, I wanted to do a quick little review of Leather Bar Interior, which is the film by James Franco. And James Franco, you know, who he is, he did, you know, he played James Dean a long time ago. He's been in many movies, you know, Planet of the Apes and um, Wizard of Oz. and I mean, a bazillion movies. I can't even think of all of them. Um, the one, he, Pineapple Express. I mean, I can't explain. You know who he is, I'm sure, James Franco. But anyway, you know, cute. He plays a lot of gay roles and he's totally straight and everything, apparently. And um, he's very he's very comfortable with gay cinema. And so people have always asked, why does he always do all these gay roles? And why does he always do these, um, you know, produce and direct these gay films? Why is he so interested in gay culture if he's not gay? And so this film kind of answers that question because this film, Leather Bar Interior, Leather dot bar dot interior dot, is, um, is basically... It does answer that question. I mean, literally, he actually says in the film exactly why he does it. But also... What it's about is if you've ever seen, there's a movie from, I think it's 1980. I saw it many years ago. I saw it, rewatched it like about five years ago or about a year ago, actually, two years ago, maybe, um, called Cruising. And Cruising was, for its time, extremely groundbreaking in 1980 or whenever it came out, somewhere around there. I think it was 1980. And it had Al Pacino as the main lead character. And he is a cop going into the deep, seedy underbelly of the gay, homosexual a bar scene in New York city, <laughs> a leather bar scene, not just the bar scene, but the leather bar scene. And, uh, to find a murderer or catch a murderer who's killing a lot of gay men or whatever. <clears throat> and so that's the character in the movie. Now he, Al Pacino, of course, is heterosexual and the character in the movie is heterosexual or so he thinks until he gets involved with this, this thing and finds out he's actually gay or whatever, or, or he's gay. I don't know if you want to call him gay, but whatever, he's open to it. And so he, um, so the film is very sexual, sexually charged and has a lot of sexual um, imagery and sexual um, uh, scenes in it. And so 
uh, because of this, it, it was very, very, very raunchy and risque for 1980. And they made them cut out 40 something minutes or 14 minutes. I can't remember if it was 14 or 40 something. It was one of the two. I think it was 40, or I think maybe 14. But anyway, I think it was 40 something minutes actually of film from the original thing because they were going to give it an X rating if they didn't take these 14 minutes or whatever it was out of the film. And so they took these 14 minutes out of the film. Now, these 14 minutes of the film is what Leather Bar Interior addresses and what it's about. It basically recreates these 14 minutes of film that were taken out of the original movie Cruising and recreates them with modern-day actors in modern-day setting, okay, um, in the leather bars or whatever. And so it's very, very sexual and charged. And basically, it is a porn. I mean, it's basically not really just soft porn. Well, I guess it is soft porn because there's no actual anal sex on screen, but there's there's oral sex on screen. I mean, the, the dick and everything going in and out. I mean, there's oral sex in this movie. And um, it's actually pretty hot in a way. Some of it is the way it's shot and everything. But it's... Um, some of the guys in there are very hot. The one guy, the blonde guy is really hot in it. Um, but there's um, not a, uh, like a sex scene like where they're actually fucking or whatever. It's mostly just, you know, oral sex kissing and sexual and erotic stuff. <laughs> and so it's it's technically soft porn, um, but it is pornography in my opinion. Now, James Franco calls it art and calls it um, artistic. And the reason he gives for doing these kind of gay, gay films and the way the reason he wants to do it is because he says that it's not fair that um, it's okay to watch straight sex, but not gay sex on screen. It's okay to watch simulated heterosexual sex and get an R rating, but not simulated gay sex and get an X rating. It's not fair to watch people blow other people up or whatever. Uh, and that's okay, but it's not okay to see two men making love. Uh, or two women or whatever. So he is trying to ex expose the hypocrisy of sex in media. Now, Madonna did this with a sex book in 1992 that she released along with her album Erotica, which I have both. And um, it, I understood what she was doing and saying with that, that those things. And she also wanted to shock. And of course, is what she does. But there was a message behind it that was lost. And so he's doing something similar. And that is to the same thing she was trying to do is to expose the hypocrisy of people and sex. And, you know, and kind of expose and hold people up into their face, the into a mirror, um, their own hypocrisy and two facedness about uh, sex, whether it's gay, in his case, gay sex specifically. In her case, she was talking about sex in general as well as gay sex. So, um, so the film is, is not what I thought it was going to be. It was actually, um, I thought it was, the film was just going to be just basically a straight literal, um, recreation of, hold on. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Literal recreation of the 14 minutes or whatever it is. I can't remember. I'm sorry. A film that was taken out of cruising and actually just recreated. That was going to be the whole film, but actually it's really more of a docu film and it's really him, um, exploring why he's doing this again. And, and also how uncomfortable, how uncomfortable the, um, the actor who plays the Al Pacino role is in it. Cause he's heterosexual. And so quote, it sort of mirrors the same thing Al Pacino himself is going through when he did the film cruising with this other guy who's his friend of 15 years, um, who's heterosexual. And it also goes behind the scenes about, um, these other guys who are playing gay, who are actually straight and gay guys on the set as well. And, and um, they talk how they talk about having sex and how they're going to film the sex and how they're going to do this and how they're going to do that. And oh, actually, 
there is a, a scene where an actual real couple, a life couple actually has sex and they do actually fuck, I think, but they don't show that part and they show it, but they don't show them like actually copulating, you know? But anyway, um, I'm sorry. I'm sniffling. I'm, that's really not professional, but anyway, <laughs> So, uh, anyway, the film is very interesting, but it's certainly, I, like, I was left when it was over, like, with what the fuck? I mean, it's really kind of trying to be really artsy-fartsy, and in a way it is, but it's not really, um, it doesn't have a whole lot of depth to it. I mean, to me, it's just basically showing behind the scenes of a film about porn. <laughs> basically, that's what it's about. So, if you're expecting something really deep and... Um, with a really deep message, which it has a message, which I agree with, but I don't think it was really expressed that well. Um, then don't expect that. If you just want to see some guys having sex, then you can watch Leather Bar Interior. It is available for free on Netflix if you have Netflix. And the last thing I want to talk about was hairy or smooth. Do you prefer your men hairy or smooth? And I've always liked both. I don't really care if a man has is hairy or smooth. Now, when I say hairy, I mean like he could have hair on his his um his chest and his stomach and his legs and his arms, you know, whatever. That's okay with me. Um, but I do not like back hair at all. And I do not like ass hair. I just don't like either one of those. I think an ass should be smooth and accessible. And I think, um, the whole penile region should be manscaped well, and it shouldn't be shaved completely, but it should be, you know, you know, pared down and made to look nice and neat. It, it shouldn't be all bushy like a fucking, like you need a fucking weed whacker to get down there, you know? Um, so I don't like back hair or butt hair or too much hair down in the crotch area. But I think generally hairy is sexy as well as smooth. I think if a guy has a really perfect, beautiful body, like really, he's really lean or really muscular, I think smooth works really well. I think that looks great uh, on a really beautiful body, beautiful body with a lot, you know, like oil on him or something, you know, that's hot. Um, hairy body doesn't have to be perfect. I don't think as, as much as a, a smooth one does. I think a smooth body on a fat guy does not look good basically. Whereas a hairy body on a fat guy, when I say fat, I don't mean like obese. I just mean, you know, bigger than average, like a bear or a cub, um, or something is okay. But, a smooth guy like that doesn't look good to me. That's just my, this is just my opinion, of course. Um, but what do you think? Do you like hairy guys or do you like smooth guys? Why don't you comment on my page on speaker.com or on the offlimitshow.com page on this show page and you can uh, comment there and let me know. Or you can tweet me or you can um, uh, post it on Facebook and let me know what you think because I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, hairy or smooth. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's really all the show I did. I just wanted to do a quick show to try and check in because I'm not feeling great, but um, I wanted to talk about those things and I appreciate you listening to the show. I'll be back hopefully later in the week. I'm going to have another really busy week this week, but I'll try to be back at least for game ass next Sunday for a full show. So be sure to listen in. And um, by the way, if you haven't heard already, the um, interviews I did with Jack McEnroth and as well as Coco Peru, I did, uh, I reposted them uh, last week. Um, the Jack McEnroth one's gotten like a thousand listens or whatever. It's crazy. The original one I posted, um, but they're both still posted and uh, um, good interview. So be sure to check those out. I'll be bringing you more interviews soon as well. Um, trying to get those lined up when I have the time. I just haven't had the time to line them up. So thank you for listening to the show and I'll be back later and you have a gay old time. Good night. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.